What's up, Frank? Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracing. And I'm Corwin Heller. And welcome to the Thursday edition of the show, where we complain about things. Um, we'll be complaining a little bit, and then we'll be talking about um, a mid-season update on how our NFL bold predictions are going, and Josh gets sad. Um, so, Corwin, are you ready to get started? Uh, I'm not not ready. That's a double positive, and as we all know, negative one times negative one is positive one, so. I did not come here for math. That is, li- math is literally like in the show title, my friend. <laughs> so yes, you did. <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't go anywhere for math th- tonight. I merely just opened up this Discord and started talking, so I'm exactly where I was. Uh, I'm not going to argue this anymore. I've, I'm giving up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's past it. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we're going to start off complaining. Uh, we're going to start off complaining about um, something that is, is not news, but we haven't gotten the chance to talk about it since it happened because we kept forgetting. Um, and that is that Tony La Russa is now going to be the manager of the White Sox. And we have more ammunition to talk about this in light of uh, news from yesterday, but um, we'll get to that in a second, I guess. So, for backstory, if you are not a Chicago White Sox fan, uh, let me catch you up to speed. I am a proxy fan for the point of this episode. The White Sox were bad. They were really, really bad. And then they got kind of okay via um, good drafting and some good trades. And they hired Rick Renteria a little while ago. He did a really nice job. That team made the playoffs this year. And then, in a very, very bizarre twist, the Chicago White Sox decided to fire Rick Renteria and um, you know, vacate the manager's position in search of a new manager for this new wave, um, this new playoff window of good White Sox baseball. Now, to take a pause there, this part, so far, is not uncommon. Um, Rick Renteria is not, like, old, old, but he's not young, and he's been around, and he's not new, um, which is fine. Like, that is an often-seen baseball move to bring in an older guy when you have a young team so that the young dudes who are there get to feel like they're, you know, playing in the big league and that they're professionals and it gives it a certain weight and, you know, lets them come into their own feeling the sense of importance around um, the baseball that they're playing, even though the games themselves aren't going well or they have losing seasons, what have you. Then when the team gets good, they fire that guy and then bring in a younger dude who is more relatable to the players and can convey analytics better because he believes in them more, whatever. Um, Symbolically, it's a it's the idea of uh, firing uh, Mike Matheny to be replaced by whoever replaced Mike Matheny because that doesn't take it's not it's a very easy upgrade there. Um, so on its face, while this totally sucks, and I'm not sure if I would have done it. Rick Renteria was doing a great job, um, being very 
relatable, having managing a team with a lot of personality, which is a good thing. Um, I would have I would have given him the opportunity to at least get that full 162 game season coming off this playoff appearance to really see, you know, how he's doing because just because that's the way you do it doesn't mean that's how you should do it. Uh, but they canned him. Uh, so that was that was, that in of itself was upsetting, but not unheard of. Like I said, and then you know they broke the news that they they're hiring Tony Larusa now for reference. Rick Renteria, no spring chicken. It's like 58. Tony LaRussa is 76. They hired somebody damn near 20 years older than the guy they just fired. And Tony LaRussa has been out of baseball since 2011. And Tony LaRussa ain't down with the times, man. This is a guy that has publicly condemned the idea of protesting the national anthem on one of baseball's blacker teams in a pretty black neighborhood, which are good things for the sport of baseball and for the black community. They went with a guy who is very much so is opposed to these things and is a mildly racist dude, at least on the surface, and is probably much hiding much more disgusting things because, you know, he's old and white, and I'm here to make generalizations. Um. And it just feels like, first off, it is not a baseball move. This is not what you do when you are trying to improve a team by hiring a man who has not been in baseball for 10 years, who is 20 years older than the old guy you just hired and has no relatability to the people that he is directly overseeing. Um, So it's not a baseball move in that respect. And it's not a culture fit in the fucking slightest in it just feels, and I'd love to hear your opinion, but it just feels like a gigantic fuck you to Tim Anderson. I don't, I don't know how, if I'm Tim Anderson, I don't see this as anything other than a fuck you to Tim Anderson. This hiring feels so much directly about the personality brought about by Tim, by the uh, other parts of the, you know, the younger parts of the. Uh, White Sox lineup and 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 uh, roster that are displaying big personalities and bringing a lot of attention to the team a- again in a positive way, and this is middle fingers from ownership. I, I mean, you, can you go in further on the whole like why you're kind of signaling in on uh, Tim Anderson specifically? What do you mean? About why this is a fuck you directly to Tim Anderson and not necessarily a fuck you to the rest of the black and minority players on the White Sox? I think it's by and large all of a fuck you to all of them. I'm picking Tim Anderson specifically because he's very much so the leadership of the team and has been that presence of personality before we got some of the younger guys up like Luis Robert and, and those types up in the majors. Like, Tim Anderson's been doing, I mean, he, this is what, his, this is his second year almost winning a batting title, and this is his fourth year in the league altogether, um, and he has been a personality. He's been a very big player the entire time he's he's been up. Um, and again, that fosters an environment showing other players that it's okay to be like that, which, once again, it is. Um, but, you know, when you when you get 
younger dudes coming up. When you get Luis Robert coming up and you see Tim Anderson doing all the bat flips and what yada, 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 that's the environment that you're then going to have the younger players going along with because they're seeing the veterans do it and they're seeing the good players on the team do it. And those happen to both be the same guy with Tim Anderson, um, even though he's only 27. Um, but so I, I'm picking him specifically because I think he is symbolic of it more so than anybody else, even though everyone is affected by it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does. Um, I really just don't know how to get behind this in the first place. Like, I get he has had some good history leading teams, uh, both in the regular and postseason. And by all means, he's a Hall of Fame skipper. But at 76 years old, with nine seasons past the last time he was at the helm of a MLB team, and you bring him in to coach what I can confidently argue is the youngest team in baseball, at least when you, uh, you know, if you weighted it by, um, uh, what am I looking for? If you weighted it by by starts or you know playing time for you know the players on the team specifically, it's all young guys you know with significant playing time, significant roles on the team, and by and large, you would expect that kind of team to be very analytically forward, analytically focused, trying to be on the cutting edge so that you could make the most of this team. That's driven by young players, driven by, you know, uh, a young core that you really can mold to to be what you want them to be and utilize them in a way that will maximize their talent. And they're all guys, you know, I, I don't want to paint with the broadest brush possible, but you have to imagine the younger the player, the more open they would be to a different way of approaching baseball or the comfort level with the analytics size. I mean, I'm sure every one of those guys grew up watching Moneyball because that movie probably came out 10 years ago now. Um, and I just don't know why you would almost take a step back in progress by bringing in a guy like this where I just don't, I don't see this being successful. And I honestly see this going so far south not only because of the stuff that you know I just mentioned about on the field play and utilization of the guys on the team but man these players are already speaking about speaking out about how they are not entirely comfortable bringing him in because guess what he's an old racist white dude and they all know that and they all see that i guarantee you it was no one's first choice um, I'm not going to pretend to start going into, you know, who would be a better choice because I don't know fucking, I don't know fucking up from down when it comes to potential MLB manager candidates. Uh, I barely know what they do. So uh, I don't know how deep I can really get into the nitty gritty. I just think this is fucking a wild, wild headline hire. And I just, I was shocked from the start because of who it was, not even knowing all of the details about why he is so controversial. Just the fact that he is a decrepit old man when it comes to baseball. And oof, 
he he's one of those guys it. you like constantly forget is still alive. Right. Yeah. Um it's again, there's no if we take away the social implications of this just for a moment, there's no baseball reason to do this. I I mean, baseball has left this era behind. And whether you agree with that or 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 disagree with it, even if you disagree with it, this still shouldn't be your guy. Like, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but in all honesty, if there were betting odds, I would assume that there'd be a better shot that Tony La Russa dies in the next four years than maintains the helm of the Chicago White Sox. Just by virtue of statistics. I mean, seriously. There's no, if you don't want to go the analytical guy route, you can go find, you know, an old school dude who's not 70 fucking six. And by the way, as time has progressed, more and more teams are moving towards analytical view of how to run their organizations, which has led to the manager's position to be more of a great communicator's role than really anything else, a.k.a. why did Aaron Boone get hired as the manager of the New York Yankees? Well, because he's very good at communicating with players. In addition to the fact that he knows what he's doing, same thing with Alex Cora, uh, who just got rehired by the Red Sox after literally being embroiled in scandal. Uh, (laughs) Taking that you know, cheating aspect away for a second, the reason Alex Cora is such a good manager is because he's very good at communicating with players what they need to be doing based on the underlying metrics and the technical know-how that goes behind playing the game of baseball. That's what matters these days. And really, it's 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 not even a question of whether you agree with it or disagree with it. It's like climate change. It's fucking happening, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. The numbers are all there, man. Like, there's just no arguing with it. The numbers are all there. And when you tack on the social implications of this, this is a guy who literally was saying that, that you know, kneeling for the anthem is disrespectful and the players should just go in the locker room so that people don't have to see them protesting. That's fucked up! That's so fucked uh, And Again, even, even uh, if... Uh, just how that's a guaranteed way to smooth things over with your, you know, players that are already at ends with you as a, their manager. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, Corwin, we we've talked so often about how the right thing to do, oftentimes, just so happens to be the easiest thing to do. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Having a team hate the fuck out of their manager, that's just bad for business. I'm not even talking about who's right and who's wrong. I'm not talking about what side of what they're on, who believes in what. Having that level of disagreement is just not good for for the team as a money-making enterprise. Anyone who has ever worked for a shit manager or shit owner or a shit boss knows so perfectly well having someone that you work for be a fucking dick or just makes it miserable to go to work makes your life so much worse your performance so much worse right and it's it's not close like you work better for a good boss than you do for a shit one. 
And this is over something really serious. And this isn't over like, you know, uh, my boss doesn't like the uh, really loud color ties I wear, some shit like that, you know? This is over blackness. This is over race. This is like if 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 um, Eloy Jimenez goes to work every day and knows the fact that he is brown is going to be some to some level a source of conflict or how he chooses to express himself within the culture of his color and his people is going to be some source of strain on the relationship between him and his manager. He is going to feel uncomfortable just being who he is every day. I couldn't day imagine having to remotely understand what Could you say that just one more time? You, you, it chopped up a little bit. Oh, I was just saying how like I could not imagine what it would be like going into work knowing that I am hated for who I am and there's no performance metric or anything I could do performance-wise both as a employee of the company or a co-worker to that boss, that manager, to change the fact that he fucking hates me just because it's who I am. Right. And, and you know, it, 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 it could very reasonably come out in ways that we're never going to be able to see, you know, like, uh, like, like, uh, Luis Robert getting scolded harsher for striking out instead of being explained what the consequences of those pitches were, you know, like, ah, you got locked up on the curveball uh, on that second pitch, but he always throws a curveball on the second pitch. So next time, just watch for breaking stuff. Instead, it might just end up with him being scolded or with him losing an at-bat later in the game because he gets pulled. Like, there are progressions to this and, and like, small-scale events that are going to potentially alter the way some of these people's careers might end up going. And that might sound extreme, but, like, this is what we're... This is what it's about, man. Mm-hmm. So, while all this discussion has been happening, and there's obviously a, a lot more here within the the realm of race and baseball it's a it's a very big conversation and it could easily take the entire episode but i'd much rather have someone who's more involved in it be a part of it if you were going to spend the entire episode on since you know corn and i are both the whites um but while while this has all been in the public discourse over the past week or so it just came out that tony la russa got a dui like this year which is his second now? His second, yeah. And he's going to have to go to jail for it for at least really? one day. I think it's like a maximum of like 20, like 10 or some shit. But like he has to go to jail for, ten I think, days. 10 days, yeah. Okay. Um, but he like has to go to the to jail for like at least one day or some shit like that. Um, but I, either way, it, he got. It's a 76-year-old man with a tenuous grasp on race in America who thinks he can get away with drunk driving because he's a Hall of Fame baseball guy. Like, what the fuck? That's who you want? And the fact that that wasn't met in the public sphere with the immediate removal of Tony La Russa is mind-blowing. This is New York Jets level of incompetence. 
<laughs> but worse, because they're just bad at football, and this is failing to live in an ethical society. There's no morality to what is no, happening here. It's not ethical. It's it's legal society. Abs- yeah, literally, right? Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine... So now, now that we add in the the DUI aspect of it, I can't imagine being anybody in the. You know, I can't imagine being Lucas fucking Giolito and having oh, to look, God, yeah. look down a guy as as you know as the ace of the team who doesn't have you. You're supposed to trust with how frequently you're pitching, how long you're left out there, how early you're getting pulled, and then this is the same guy with such poor judgment and such selfishness and such callousness and cowardice that he would go drunk driving and think it's okay because he's in the hall of fame, bro, that you have to trust that guy to, to help manage you in a position as physically vulnerable as pitcher. I don't know how you do that. Like I do you, can you, uh, I guess if you're Lucas Gilita, you fucking have to, but I'd, I'd be pissed. And couple in the fact that that guy's racist, and half your goddamn defense behind you is 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 black and brown, wondering what the fuck is going on with this goddamn racist dude. I, I mean, I don't, I, I I don't know how you. This is not a man a team rallies around. That's what you need. That's what leaders really are. They're the guy that the team all listens to, respects, and likes. That's not mm-hmm. this guy. If, if nothing else. Even if he's a terrible communicator at statistics and all the things I said previously, if he's just at least a good, respectable dude that the team wants to play for, wants to go out there and win games for, that's something. You know, the Yankees didn't didn't re-sign uh, Joe Girardi because they thought he wasn't communicating the statistics effectively, but the, the Yankees still liked playing for him. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've been wrong so many times about coaching hires and about just players in general, just guys that are not thought of highly um, by the media or by scouts or by whoever, that once they get in that team environment, they perform well, they go past expectations, and we have to, you know, look back and say, wow, okay, you know, that works out. For everyone involved, they're happy to have them. It was a smart decision. It's just something that we missed as as scouts, as fans, as whoever, as commenters on what's going on. But I just don't see how that can happen when the team itself refuses to, not even refuses, but cannot be a part of that process because of how absolutely detrimental to society his actions and comments have been. I And, you know, the worst part is this team is really good. This team is really fucking good. And if they have success, which I am still a, a you know, passive secondary White Sox fan, so I truly, sincerely hope they mm-hmm. do no matter what. It is going to be in spite of Tony LaRusso, not because of him. Exactly. Yep. And, and which again loops me back to the, the first comment. What's the fucking long term plan here? 
what what's the mm-hmm. you you can have Alex Cora be be the 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 manager of the Red Sox for the next like fifteen fucking years, like whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter. He could be there forever, you know. He could be the next Joe right. Torre for the Red Sox, just just manning the helm until he just kind of ages out of it. What is what is the expiration date on Tony Larusa? If the White Sox actually believe in him, two years, three years, is this worth mm-hmm. pissing off all of the players and fans? Well, you look at it and you bring in a guy like this, you know, you bring in Tony LaRusa for a team that's gunning for a championship and you need a skipper that knows how to to milk that extra five, ten percent of production out of a team to get them over excuse me, to get them over the hump. I can get that. I can get why you would look at him and his past and his coaching history and say, that's what he brings to the table. That's what his value is. That's why we're doing this. And I could understand that to an extent. You bring him in for a team this young, which, you know, their peak is still four, five years out. What's he going to do? Like, he's not going to be there when your team is peaking. Why wouldn't you want to have that guy, that skipper, that manager who brought your team up still be there with the team when they're peaking and need that skipper to be like, all right, this is how you do this. This is how you get through this. This is how you get over the hump, this, that, whatever. Like, you want them to be a constant, um, content, I'm not going to try it, Uh, a Continuity. You want there to be continuity with how your team is run. You want it to be simple and easy. And I, I, what what are they gaining from this hire? That, that that's the thing, man. I truly don't. The, I, no, I don't know. How is their team getting better? Because I don't see it. I've got I've got no answers for you, man. Open for comments if someone wants to tell us how, but. I'd also love to know how he passed a background check with that DUI lingering. They had to have known about it. There's no right? way they didn't. I, I, it's it's not like you know they do background checks and like they dig into guys' past. Like they they know you know what their last ex girlfriend thinks about them, shit like that. Like whatever. Like these are the kind of tests that teams do. For all their players, you better believe they're doing it for their managers. And this is one of the few things that are positively public record. This isn't something that, you know, they have to find out about, like, the movie fucking Draft Day. Like, oh, nobody went to his birthday party. What's the, That's a huge concern. Like, that's a giant red flag, this, that. It's like, well, it, this is literally just public record. It's in the newspaper. Uh, 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 and, you know, <sighs> Corwin and I are going to move on because we have, um, we want to talk about our midseason bull predictions for the NFL. But I, I really want to close on the, the most important thing, takeaway of this whole debacle, which is that baseball needs to get blacker. And it's not even just a you know a, a concern of you got to appeal to black audiences. 
there is a real problem that the sport is having where there's not as many black stars as there used to be. And that, at its core, is an access problem. That, at its core, has it, there's socioeconomic reasons for it, and there's outreach reasons for it, and all that. And you know what's a bad foot forward on it if you are the Chicago White Sox? Bringing in a guy to be a counterculture towards what is one of the most appealing teams if you're a black fan of the sport. If you're a black kid looking at players, Tim Anderson's a great role model. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal player. He brings a ton of personality to the sport. He's a great dude. Like, there's, that is the, a guy that you want to be as vocal and visual and out there as possible. And again, in a sport like baseball, where they are having serious problems getting black kids to play the game for a litany of reasons. Um, it's not just, you know, black kids don't like fucking baseball. No, it's baseball's problem and it's socioeconomic reasons for it or issues that are working against it. But this is a terrible, terrible, it literally indefensible hire in 2020 to have this be the direction you want to go with the racial implications it holds. It's so fucked up. I hate it. I, I straight I up hate it. There's no, there's no, there's no compromise here. There's no middle ground. There's no like, well, this, that, whatever. No, it's just, it's gross. I hate it. So, we'll leave it at that. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's uh. Let's let's talk about football, shall we? Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. Shall we start with the awards? Uh sure. Yeah, we'll end up bold predictions. All right. Um. Here you go. You go first. Uh. Okay. Let me pull mine up. Uh. What uh? What awards do you want to start with? Ah, uh, you start in your row. I've, I. I, I I told you to start because I think I had mine in a wacky order. So you start. Fair enough. MVP, I had Pat Mahomes. I also have Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, it's a race, that's for sure. You know, him, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. It's going to be one of those three. Statistically, he's doing the best. And I think we all can agree his track record recently probably shows him to be the most likely to keep up with these crazy numbers. Um, he's thrown 25 touchdowns to one interception through eight games. I know it's, it's fucking dumb. It's stupid. It's not bad. Stupid. It's good. Stupid, but it's, it's stupid because it just does not make sense. No, no, it, it really should be illegal. Well, I don't want to make it illegal because then, you know, no, no, he should, he should not be allowed to do this. We must stop it. I'll allow it, at least for this year. Ban him from the postseason. Give the AFC to just whatever team finishes with the best record. No playoffs. Just go straight to the Super Bowl. Love it. Um, so you also had Pat Mahomes. So I guess Offensive Player of the Year. I had Christian McCaffrey. He's not uh... winning it. <laughs> No, no, he's been hurt. Oh, I had DeAndre Hopkins. I feel pretty good about that still. 
yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't feel wildly confident that he's the front. Like, I wouldn't say he's the front runner. No, I wouldn't. Either. But man, he's having a pretty phenomenal season. Who else would you put in this conversation for uh, offensive player of the year so far? Um, man, it's hard because like none of the running backs are really showing uh, out. Sa- Saquon's down. Um, yeah, McCaffrey's been um, hurt. And like looking at the top running backs right now, outside of Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, no one has over 600 yards. There are two guys with at least 800 yards rushing. Dalvin Cook is definitely leading all all statistics with just efficiency and just total yards and touchdown. It's Dalvin Cook's to lose at this point. From just looking at this. Okay. 144 rushes for 858 yards, averaging six yards a carry with 12 touchdowns. The next closest mm-hmm. is nine by Todd Gurley. Um, 122 yards per game, only one fumble. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot he was going off like that. Pretty great. Uh, who'd you have? Also, Christian McCaffrey? No, I had DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, because we literally just had that discussion. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Uh, so let's look at receivers then, who's the top of the pack there. Uh, Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, Robbie Anderson, and then DeAndre what? Hopkins at five. Yeah, you know, I remember, I remember sure. distinctly that I had said when Robbie Anderson walked that I was fine with letting him walk because he was kind of only did one thing. that He did really well, but he really only did one thing. And I'm really just struck by how I completely overlooked the fact that his head coach was Adam Gase last season. And that the reason Robbie Anderson was a success was oftentimes in spite of his coaching, not as a result of it. And that we just needed a guy who would use him better. And that is now fully evident. So Robbie, I'm proud of you. Fucking Adam Gase, man. He's the worst. Really? He he, he is violating the Geneva convention every, every Sunday. So bad. It's just so fucking bad. Whatever. I got sad on Monday because I thought the Jets might win. That's where we are. It was the wildest games just because you were like, you're clearly rooting for the Patriots because you want the Jets to get the first overall pick. You want them to finish 0-16. At least I do and you do, so us. Um... But it's like rooting for the Patriots is miserable, and both teams just really wanted to lose. I also I had to text Corwin because when Nick Folk trotted out in this Patriots uniform, I didn't think he was still in football. It's it's fucking wild, wild. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next up for me is Defensive Player of the Year. I had TJ Watt. Hold on. Did you get? Do you know Nick Folk played for the Patriots last season? Uh, sure. 
not confident with that. But uh, it clearly, I, I, you know, I'm not so going to say did, it wrong. He didn't play in 2018. I remember he left the Jets. He went to Tampa. I remember that. Um, and then he didn't play in 2018. And then he played in seven games for the Pats in 2019. Only attempted one field goal. Only made one field goal. Oh, from 20, from, from, that's from zero to 19 yards. So where is his overall? Okay. So he attempted 17 field goals, made 14. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. All right. Anyway, sorry. Total deviation. Uh, what 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 award are we on? Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you got? Uh, I think you want. Oh, how are you yeah. feeling about that pick so far? Fairly confident. Um, let me pull up his stats again because I just closed them. Uh, right now, through eight games, he has one interception on five targets. Uh, I know he has pass breakups in here. Passes defended one. Uh, oh, wait. No, that's the 2017 playoffs. What the fuck is that? No, 2020. Oh, God. This is just awful. Um, Killing a pro. Passes defended. Passes defended. He has six through eight games as a defensive end, outside linebacker, um, on five targets, which is wild. Um, he has no forced fumbles so far, but he has 26 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, good for second in the NFL, and seven sacks through eight games. So he's having a good year. Um, definitely up there uh, with Miles Garrett and Aaron Donalds as the big three gunning for this award. Well, I didn't have any of those three. I had Khalil Mack. Um, who is having a nice season? Um, six point five sacks so far through the year. Um, so he's he's on pace to beat out what he did in twenty nineteen, where he had eight point five, and you know on pace to do a little bit worse than his twenty eighteen season with the twelve point five that he had that season, but not by much. So doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a twenty solo tackles, thirty three combined, thirteen assists. Uh, Eight tackles for loss, which matches what he did last year, and nine QB hits, so on pace to beat out his previous season with that as well. Yeah. Oh. Not, a, not a bad pick. No, I mean, he's still an outside chance, but yeah, but I you know the three you mentioned I, are the guys. So, All right. Offensive Rookie of the Year. I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's not going to win it. Why not? Uh, Jerry Judy's going to win it. At least in my mind. Him or uh, CD Lamb, whoever has the best stats at the end of the year, because QB's not one this year. Uh, well, that makes me feel good, because I, I I had picked CD Lamb. Um, there you go. Let's look, let's look at Jerry Judy. So right now, so right now CD Lamb... Uh, has uh, 44 receptions on 68 targets, 13 and a half yards per reception, and three touchdowns. Jerry Judy has 30 receptions on 61 yards, 484 yards, uh, 16.1 yards per reception, and two touchdowns. So it is a... Uh, it's 
looking like CD Lamb's Ross award here. Rostat wise, CD Lamb is definitely ahead, so I might have to change my prediction. But that being said, Jerry Judy to me has looked the part better. He has looked like the better receiver between the two, even though, you know, both have looked quite fantastic. Um, yeah, it's tough, especially since it, it's tough, especially since CD Lamb's first handful of games were played with way better quarterback play than anything Jerry Judy is going to be getting out of the season. Um, right. So it's really going to come down to. Um, how they finish out the year with CeeDee Lamb getting the ball thrown to him by Mystery Man um, <laughs> and Jerry Judy just seeing how Drew Locke grows, I guess, if he does. If he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely going to be... They're both in two very, very weird situations. That's for sure. Um, and then there's Henry Ruggs, who is just, you know, killing it right now, right? He's the best of the bunch. First one drafted. Oh, no, he's he's always hurt and underperforming. No, no. Um, yeah, so that's that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I will say, fourth in the NFL in receiving yards, or rushing yards right now, with 586, only two behind Josh Jacobs at number three. Um, which that's the quietest like all the running backs that are performing at the top of the list outside of Dalvin Cook are just having such quiet years because it, it seems like they're everyone's hurt and it's just it's a battle of survival at this point. Right. Um all right. Uh a defensive rookie of the year. Who you got? I got Chase Young. Yeah, so do I. I still think he's the front runner. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. All uh, right. Fair enough. Oh, that was oh. a good discussion. Glad we agreed. Episode and over. What are you hurrying out of there for? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who do you have for rookie of the year? Uh, I don't have rookie of the year. That's right, because you keep forgetting this is a category. Yeah. Uh, I had shit. Joe Burrow. Oh. I don't have anything highlighted like I made that prediction. Ah, shit. Well, I've got Joe Burrow, and I still feel good about that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Honestly, I said no quarterback was going to go win it this year for Offensive Rookie of the Year. It probably is going to be Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. I don't know why I forgot like those guys exist. I just kind of immediately jumped to, oh, yeah, Tua hasn't played terrible. But he hasn't played you, good enough to win You it. forgot they exist because their teams are doing the things that they're known for before they even got there. Oh like, yeah. Cincinnati is still bad. Now they're just bad in spite of their quarterback play, not because of it. Right. And the Chargers are still losing the fucking weirdest games that seem to d- dissolve in front of them for any number of wacko reasons. Um, <sighs> like, their quarterback play for both teams has improved. But the profile of those teams, like, basically isn't changed. I agree completely. So ready to move on to bold predictions? I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, well, I, I guess, uh, real quick, I also have Coach of the Year um, as Bruce Arians, which I'm still feeling pretty good about. Um, the Tampa Bay has had kind of a weird season uh, in terms of their wins being super awesome and their losses being very head-scratching. 
But by and large, I still feel good about Bruce Arians' progress with that team uh, as compared to what they were last year going into the season. And comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, still feel good about that. My Super Bowl prediction, Baltimore versus New Orleans with New Orleans taking the, taking the title. Still, feel, still feeling good about that, too. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I mean, other than the Steelers going to be a team that gets in, but that's fine. No, it's okay. It's okay. Suck a dick. Um, if you say so. All right. So my first bold prediction, um, I don't know. You're going to have to be the judge of in terms of how it's going. I, like uh, I, I, my first bold prediction is that Tom Brady finally shows his age. And that's a very general way of putting things. Um, so it just, I guess, depends on like how you want to. Def- Hold on, did you realize Blaine Gabbert was on the 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 Bucks? No. Slash, still in football. Yeah, that was going to be my statement. As what? Yeah, I'm on the Bucks page, and Blaine Gabbert has has played. In two games and attempted one pass for zero completions, um, which is Blaine Gabbard for you. But yeah, that's wacky. Um, Wild. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. Actually, no. Um, so I rescind my point. I was gonna say maybe Tom Brady's moving the wrong direction, but I'm looking at his 2019 stats and he's outperforming them. So no, I'm wrong so far anyway. Um, he is not showing his age in the slightest. Um, he's a better completion percent than last year. He's on pace for more yards than last year. He's four touchdowns away from um, matching his touchdowns from last season, so he's passing that for sure. Uh, he'll likely also pass his interception um, total from last year. He's only one away in that respect, but that's that's not a sign of age, especially if it's the only stat that's changing. He's on pace to blow his attempts out of the water from last year too, but also his completions. Um, Yards per game is up. Um, Yards per completion is down a little bit, but yards per attempt is up. Um, His quarterback rating is up. His QBR is up. His sacks are down. I I mean, this is, this is, this is a good season from Tom. I, I, yeah, I, unless something dramatically changes in the second half, this prediction will be wrong. Um, Sorry, I just someone called me from work because they're on site right now. I, I didn't pick up, but I imagine if they're calling me at eight forty at night, it's going to be a big deal at some point. So um, that'll be fun. That'll be something for our listeners to look forward to uh, in the future. Um, so all finished up with your uh, first prediction. Yes. Okay. Uh, so my first. Uh, three rookie wide receivers and one running back make the Pro Bowl. Uh, I'm feeling significantly better about this now that <laughs> they're all dying off. And I feel like just by sheer attrition, this number is going to you know work out. Um, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, James Robinson... Both rookie running backs, both performing really well, both looking like they could easily make the Pro Bowl. I mean, they're four and six in rushing yards right now in all of the NFL. 
that's pretty much a guaranteed Pro Bowl appearance, right? Um, and then C.D. Lamb, 17th in receiving yards, having a great year. Jerry Judy, 26th. T. Higgins, 25th in receiving yards, both having really good years. Both could get those votes. Um, just scrolling through, uh, it's hard to say anyone after that because... Man, I don't really see any. Brandon Ayuk's having a good year, but it's not exactly, you know, Pro Bowl worthy. Um, so I don't think I'm going to get the three rookie wide receivers, but I think I'm definitely, I th- feel confident with the total number, uh, just not everything together. I feel you. Yeah. Or like the individual numbers broken down. Right. Um, my next bull prediction was the Jets win the AFC East, and that is mathematically impossible at this point. So, so if the Jets won out and the rest of the AFC East collectively lost out, which or really just, I guess, the Bills, um, and then everyone else mathed their way into losing more games than they won, um, the Bills already beat the Jets twice, so both teams would end up with a 7-9 and record, um, which would still put the Bills in. So... It's, it, it can't happen, um, which I had based this on the idea that New England was finally going to be mediocre to bad, which they are. The idea that Miami would be better, but still not good enough, which is still to be seen at five and three, uh, and that the Bills would take a step back, which they absolutely have not. So um, I, I did not factor in the Jets being literally the worst team to ever look at a football. Um, so. Shame on me, but yeah, it's not it's not happening. Uh yeah, that's a that's a tough prediction. That really is. Um hey, it was bold. Yeah. Um my second prediction is actually like looking at it pretty good. Pat Mahomes breaks Manning's touchdown record in a single season. So Peyton Manning uh, I want to say it was 2013. We always uh, get this year wrong, but I think you're right. I, I always say 2013, and I think it always ends up not being 2013. Um, regardless, threw 55 touchdowns that year, set an NFL record. Pat Mahomes currently on pace to throw 50, which is spectacular. But Russell Wilson is on pace to throw 56. He has a 9.4 touchdown percentage. Wait, 9.4. How how many touchdowns does Russell Wilson have so far this season? 28 in eight games. And how many does Pat Mahomes have? 25. Oh, in nine games. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So he is not on pace to throw 50, but Russell Wilson doing really well. No, he's on pace to throw 44. Pat Mahomes? Yeah. That's still pretty good. Yeah, fucking cut him. Yeah, for real. Trade him to a QB needy team like the Steelers. Like the Patriots, apparently. That that joke went over well. That was good. That was good. All right, Josh, what's your number two? Or number three? Well, this was a bold pick when it was made, and now it looks like nothing but a uh, likelihood. Um, The Niners fail to make the playoffs. They are four and five in what is likely to be the toughest division in football. Um, as it stands right now, <laughs> the Eagles are winning the NFC East at three, four, and one. 
a hilarious sentence. Uh, the Packers are winning at six and two. The um, Saints are winning at six and two, and the Seahawks are running at six and two. Uh, and then the two other playoff teams would be at this point in the season: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at six and three, and I guess the Chicago Bears at five and no. Um, what uh, the Rams at five and three, um, which means that the San Francisco 49ers would have to, at some point during the course of the season, pass um, the Arizona Cardinals also at five and three, the Chicago Bears at five and four, and then one of the Rams or Buccaneers. And at this point, based on their injuries, I, I just don't see how that happens. So I feel yeah, I very good about this pick, which was. Which was actually bold when it was made. I agree. It was. I'm um, again. I don't remember because who pays attention to these things. But I'm fairly certain I made fun of you for it because I feel like I make fun of you for all of your predictions. That is why we do this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so my next one is Hayden Hurst finishes the year as tight end number four. Gronkowski finishes outside the top ten. Uh, how do you think this is like? Looking back before looking at stats, do you remember what you thought of this? Um, I don't. I want to say I probably agree with it because I also have a Gronk prediction, but I don't remember my full take on it. Fair enough. Uh, I also don't remember how we said we were going to distinguish this. Um, uh, I guess we'll go receiving yards because that's pretty fair. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to do points for like fantasy because I feel like that might have been the heart of what we were doing. But at the same time, that's so different. So we'll go receiving yards. Uh, Hayden Hurst is currently on par or on pace to finish uh, second in the NFL this year. George Kittle is currently second with Hayden Hurst at third, but with George Kittle out. For the foreseeable future, possibly for the rest of the season, he is quickly going to fall out of that second place spot. Um, I I thought Hayden Hurst was going to have a good year. Definitely didn't see that. that. Rob Gronkowski, on the other hand, currently 11th in receiving yards amongst all tight ends. Um, But he is healthy, so there is a chance he moves into the top 10. There's a chance he falls further out of it. Who knows, but right now, this is looking like a A-plus prediction. I'm a genius. Which is a lot more than can be said about my next prediction, which is that Daniel Jones carries the Giants to the playoffs. And actually, you know what? This is still kind of in play. I take that back. Because as it stands right now, the Giants are third in their division at 2-7, and seven, which is startling. Um, I I was about to say, you know, they're two and seven. They're so far out of it. The team ahead of them is the um, is the Washington team at two and six. So um, that is a full twenty eight points of um, uh, of a win percent, which is nothing. Um, and then the Eagles, who have literally almost double their win percent, but also literally only one more win. Um, <laughs> and the Giants play the Eagles this Sunday, I think. So there's a chance for a big shakeup happening here, um, which is hilarious. In terms of the Daniel Jones part of it, obviously the interceptions are bad. <laughs> the turnovers are really bad. Um, he hasn't been awful. 
His completion percent, 62.4. That's not bad. His yards are 1878. That's not awful. Eight touchdowns on the year isn't bad. It is, uh, it's a far cry from carrying. Um, God, these turnovers are so ugly. They're uh, not good. There's a chance to give myself a glimmer of hope that the second half of the season, we see some growth from Daniel Jones and the rest of the NFC East continues to be bad. And Daniel Jones does something good enough to give them, I don't know, the four additional wins it would take to win this division at most. Um, but as of right now, I wouldn't give this to myself, but it could still possibly happen, though I wouldn't bet on it. I would not bet on it either. All right. What's um, it for you? Man, what a garbage fire division just should be ashamed of how that has all turned out yeah like oh just jettison them into space and pretend they never exist just all four teams um so my next prediction is that ben roethlisberger is the best passer in the nfc afc north and in the division this was definitely bold before we knew what was going to happen with the Ravens. I almost certainly made fun of you for this. Yeah, um, but wow, this is this is looking pretty good. The Steelers are, you know, not exactly in a position to seal the division lead yet. You know, there's still a chance for them to completely collapse, which it's coming any day now. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger is, by almost every metric, the best passer in the AFC North. Um, he has the best completion percentage at 68.1% compared to Jackson's 63, Burroughs 67, and Baker's 61.5. He has the second most yards. Um, with 1934 behind Jack or ahead of Jackson's 1513 behind Burroughs 2272 but ahead of Baker Mayfield's 1514 um he's done this on 288 attempts compared to Jackson's 213 Burroughs 330 and Baker's 223 uh he has a 6.3 touchdown percentage compared to Jackson's 5.6 Burroughs 6.3 And interceptions tied with Jackson. Uh, Burrow has five. Baker has seven. Um, let's see. Uh, adjusted yards per attempt is what we usually use. NEA or AY over A. Uh, his is seven point three. Jackson's is seven point four. Burrow's is six nine, and Baker's is six seven. QB rating, the end all be all of all quarterback statistics. Ben Roethlisberger at 101.8, Jackson at 95.1, Burrow at 91.4, and Baker Mayfield at 90.9. So, Ben Roethlisberger, other than pure passing yards, uh, is the best in the division. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Wow, the I this is always so wild looking at these predictions um after a, a few weeks. My next prediction is that Jacksonville finishes higher in the standings than Houston. Again, 
This was a bold prediction. <laughs> now, Jacksonville is still below Houston. Jacksonville is one and seven. Houston's two and six. These teams are awful. Oh, they're so fucking unbelievably bad, too. Like, it's not even close. I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had made this prediction much like the Daniel Jones one under the guise that the 10 and 6 Houston Texans would still be good, but that the Jacksonville Jaguars would have a really fluky good year. That's not true. Now, this prediction can still be true just in the text of it. Um, but wow, um, wild Jesus. Anyway, uh, you're up. Uh, my next prediction, Adam Gase is fired before the end of the season, but the damage is done for Sam Darnold. He hasn't been fired yet, but there's so much hope to be held. Um, just some quick stats for Darnold season. Uh, 58.6% completion, um, thrown for 1,045 yards, only three passing touchdowns with a 1.6 touchdown percentage, six interceptions at a 3.1% clip, um, adjusted yards per attempt of 4.4, QB rating of 65.9, 19 sacks already. Uh, at a 9% clip. Uh, he's having, you know, the worst season of his career so far. Again, he's playing with the worst set of receivers I've seen an NFL team have um, in my memory. Shouts to um, Denzel Mims, though. He's awesome. Yeah, Denzel Mims looking like a, a really good player that fell to the Jets in the second round of the draft this year. Um, you know, very, very lucky to have him fall to them um, because, by all means, no one was predicting he would fall that far, uh, and the Jets were able to snag him. Uh, did the Jets have a first-round pick this past year? Yeah, Mekki Becton, right? Yeah, Mekhi Becton. Mekhi. Yeah, um, dude is a fucking He's working out pretty spectacular for them, too. So, um, Joe Douglas doing pretty good things with the drafts. That's good. Uh Sam Darnold, though, Adam Gase, not doing good things. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Um, all right. My, my next bold prediction was uh, Kirk Cousins gets COVID. Uh, that has not happened yet, but it might. That's really oh, it. I forgot how fucking ridiculous this specific one was, too. Well, this one was because Kirk Cousins was came out as an anti-masker. Yeah. And it wasn't so much a wish as a, dude, you're so fucking stupid. Um, this is likely to happen to you. And while we have seen a number of COVID outbreaks on other teams, uh, I don't think there's been anything on the Vikings. If there has been, it hasn't been to any larger extent like we saw with the Titans and whatnot. Um, so, but hey, the NFL's still doing a bad job. So I guess there's still a very, very sad, shameful bit of hope this could happen. But yeah. To everyone's surprise, the NFL is still doing a shit job. Who would have thought? Yeah, shocking. Anyway, what do you got? Uh, a player gets ejected for intentionally coughing on another player. Double points if it's Nadamakinsu or Richie Incognito. This hasn't happened yet. 
I mean, granted it could, but players are actually being, you know, not dicks about it on the field, which can't be said for coaches who just refuse to wear masks literally all the time. Um, but yeah, players or have actually for owners been... who call the, the penalties for this draconian, even though they are not. I feel like they just like straight up don't know what that word means. Which yeah, it's like they've never even watched a Dracula movie. Uh, what was the last Dracula movie you watched? Um, shit, man. I don't. What we, what, if what we do in the shadows counts, then that. If not, because it's not see Dracula, then Van Helsing. Yeah, I was having the same conversation because I, I, I'm a fan within myself, I should say. I'm a fan of what we do in the shadows, and I was trying to weigh if that counts as a Dracula movie, but I don't think it does. The, I think they mention him, but it's like it's not like he's a character in it. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I'm not a... Alright, so the answer is either, because I don't remember with the last one I watched, but I, the only two I could think of having watched with any semblance of recency is either the silent film Nosferatu, because that movie rocks, um, or the Mel Brooks film Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen, because that movie rocks. Two <laughs> very different movies. <laughs> Both have their merits, though. Yes. It just depends, man. What are you in the mood for? Are you in the mood for German expressionism, or are you in the mood for Jewish comedy? Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, my next prediction is wrong. I said Rob Gukowski plays in under eight games. We are nine games into the season. He has played in all nine. Josh takes the L on this one. Don't you just love it when you find a prediction that's instantly proven incorrect before you even have a chance to argue it? Yeah. That's yeah, fun, right? Like, that's yeah, pretty great. Yeah, it's the best. Um, let's see, what was my next one? I should probably keep this tab open. Leonard Fournette matches his 2019 catch total. In 2019, Leonard Fournette caught 76 passes on 100 targets in 15 games, of which he started all 15. In seven games with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in which he started zero, he has caught 22 passes on 27 targets. I have a strong, strong, wow, voice crack, strong uh, feeling he is uh, not going to achieve that number. That's okay, buddy. I'm still That's proud okay. of you anyway. Yeah. Uh, my next one's looking pretty good. I... And this was also bold when it was made. The New England Patriots finished third in the division, and the New England Patriots are currently sitting third in their division. And this could very reasonably hold. It looks like Buffalo is going to kind of run away with it. Um, so that takes away position number one. The Jets are absolutely running away with the bottom of the division, which means that the Patriots' only real option is finishing second or third, which you know, increases my odds from 25% of getting it right to 50% of getting it right. Um, and if you ask me right now who's going to continue their current pace between Miami and New England, I would I would pick Miami. I, I, I would say New England, if whether they win or not, is going to continue to struggle more than the adversity I think Miami is going to presently face, especially since Miami still has at least one more game against us. Um, so, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling good about it. Yeah, that's actually, uh, you make some very good points, sir. Um, Shut off. Uh, I'm going to move this next one up because it's uh, it matches yours, and I'm sure I did the same. Um, the Patriots finished last in FC East with the caveat. I just need this on record because part of me believes it's impossible despite their roster. Oh, it's possible. Uh, and, man, I was no, really... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, you did not account for the Jets. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I will say... Um, if the Jets could have won that game, I would have really liked it a lot more. Um, but they didn't, so there's a three-game difference between them. Uh, three and a half it feels like nine. Fair enough. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with that statement. Um, but that being said, uh, don't feel strong about that prediction either. Because yeah. boy, the Jets do love uh, pain. Sucking dong. Yep. Also dong. Yep. A lot of dong yeah. involved. A whole lot yep. of dong. All right. Uh, so my next one is bold. Uh, has not happened. Still could. And that is that the Bears cut Mitch Trubisky. Um, Ooh. Now he was the starter going into the season. He's played in four games and started three of them, but has been upended as the starter as Nick Foles has started twice as many games at this point. And he started six and played in seven. And while Nick Foles has not been a, truly the a revelation of any kind, um, it looks like that's going to be the status quo for a while. Um, unless yeah. something really dramatically changes. So... Whether this is going to lead to Trubisky getting cut or not is to be seen, but um, it's certainly this is certainly not a good look for Mitchell Trubisky's long-term success in the Chicago Bears organization. Yeah, it's one of those things where I really don't see him getting cut because, man, I just I don't ever see the Bears committing to that mistake that heart like that significantly to the point where they cut that play uh, they cut mitch mitchell um but uh, i just think they're gonna let him walk and not resign him and just leave it at that yeah you're probably right yeah what do you got uh my next one is joe brady wins assistant coach of the year uh offensive coordinator for the panthers right now was the offensive coordinator last year with the uh, championship-winning LSU Tigers. The Joe Burrow hype train started by this man right here. Uh, I tried really hard to find um, betting odds to see if he was the favorite or who would be, and I could find absolutely nothing. So I I don't know how to predict this because I just... It's NFL assistant coaches. I, I, I do not know enough. I don't that even know is, close that, to enough. That but, is a okay, buddy. Yeah, I figured. Um. All right, my last prediction is is bold as it was when it was made, and still as unlikely to happen. Um. But again, these are not the mild predictions. 
These are the bold predictions. And my final one is that Aaron Donald gets traded. Um, now, this partially hinged upon the Rams being bad this season, and they haven't been great, but as it stands right now, they are in a playoff spot. Um, it's a very um, uncomfortable seat because there's a lot of people vying for it, but they are in a playoff spot. And as long as that's the status quo, I don't think they're likely to move on from Darnold. From, from Donald. Um, what if they trade Aaron Darnold? I, would, I think... Wait, wait. I just called him Aaron Darnold. Oh, it's Sam. I I'm dumb, Josh. It's Oof. okay, buddy. We all are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this this is still... So, uh, again, un- actually, no, the trade deadline's passed. Yeah, this, bas- this basically can't happen. Um, if it happens in the offseason between um, when, the, when the Super Bowl is concluded and when we come back to these predictions after all of the awards happen, um, you know, a.k.a. Ap- after free agency opens, Maybe I'll give myself half a half a point, or even after we record the follow up to this episode, um, if it happens during the off season, I'll give myself a half a point. But it's it's certainly not happening during the season. This hinged upon a much worse um, uh, Rams off, uh, team, and they just have not been. And trade deadline is passed, so no points. No points, which is fair. Um, let's see, what's my next one? My final one, your favorite of them all. I promise you. Um, Tom Brady misses the playoffs. It's going to be tough. I will. Behind the six and two Saints. Um, there's no other competition in their division. Uh, there's also not a ton of competition from outside the division with basically, uh, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Bears being the only other teams that could compete for that wild card spot. Uh, there's going to be, what, three wild card teams this year? Are there? I know they are expanding the playoffs. They are? Yeah, there's only going to be one bye week. Did I miss um, this entirely? I saw maybe? that they were, they were considering expanding it should any more of the regular season should any of the regular season get chopped off due to due to COVID, but I didn't see anything about them expanding it flat out. So there's going to be 14 teams in the playoff. Yeah, so they increased uh, two so extra one teams? extra team uh, yeah. per conference. Oh, it is one. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, two total, one from each conference. Um, so there's going to be another... Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, wild card team, and there's only going to be one by week. So okay, should be exciting. Hmm. All right. I guess it's possible. I wouldn't bank on it, but it's possible. Yeah. So there's that. Um. You know, we'll hold out all hope that we can. Certainly. So. Oof. All right. Is there uh anything else? Uh, not that I have. Journey Brown uh, will be retiring from football. You know, star Penn State running back was uh, really looking to come into the season and, and put himself 
as the the number one player uh, or the number one running back going into the draft for next year, uh, and definitely looks the part after last season. But uh, he will be retiring from football due to a heart condition. Has already missed uh, the rest or all previous games this season. Has not played so far. So um, it is a very sad day uh, for him. You definitely feel for him. Um, but hopefully that means he can be healthy. And so it's such, uh, I can only imagine how painful that must be. Yeah. Um, truly, yeah, truly so sad. Hopefully, uh, he still can be a part of this team. Uh, hopefully he can still be, you know, a part of a, a football team moving forward, uh, in some capacity. Um, but you know, holding out hope. Yeah, I hope. Hopefully, you know, it would be really cool to to you know, this is a guy that that presumably been in football his entire life. Uh, take it to the front office, man. I know, I know, it's not the same, but you know, there is a very upsetting lack of player to front office pipeline in the NFL, and I would love to see. I know he's mm-hmm. sidelined against his will, basically, due to this uh, this heart condition. But it'd be really great to see um, him someone but him i guess in particular because of the nature of his sidelining take yeah. take that uh take that knowledge to to a front office and you know be a foot in the door but yeah i know it's something that we've talked about in the past um you know where places like or leagues like uh the nba and the nfl or sorry mlb uh are significantly outpacing the nfl with their ability to get players in um, front office positions, whether it be scouts, coaches, uh, what have you. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a shame because uh, players deserve it. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they truly do, especially with a game as much in, with as much in and outs as football does. I, it is genuinely perplexing why we don't see more former players in front offices in the NFL, but again, what the hell do we know? Um, uh, not a lot. Yeah, ain't that the truth? All right. Well, then, uh, then shall we call it? Yes, sir. All right. If uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.